Hello and welcome to this series of short videos produced with our friends at Timeline, designed to answer some of the many questions we've been asked by power planners about investing. Uh, you can find the links to the other videos in this series in the description for this video below. And if you've got any questions on this topic, uh, please get in touch via email or start a conversation on the Big Tent and we'll get an answer for you. I'm really pleased that Timeline is supporting the assembly this year uh, and that we're joined by Laurentius van der Worm to cover these topics. So Laurentius, please introduce yourself. Hi Richard and thanks for, for having me on, on the video today. Um, just a quick introduction on Laurentius van den Worm, the investment strategist at Timeline Portfolios. So yeah, that's uh, Timeline Portfolios which we run uh, basically low-cost evidence-based models, more on the passive side of the investment philosophy and that's, that's our background. Brilliant. Uh, it's good to have you along today. Right, so let's get some slides up then that you've managed to put together for us, which we're very grateful for. Um, and I'll start with the first one, really. So what is modern portfolio theory? So I think modern portfolio theory, it's, it's actually quite ironic that the word modern is still in there. It's, it's an investing concept or a portfolio management concept that was developed in the 1950s already. And basically what it said is, we should be focused not just on the end destination. We shouldn't be just focused on the actual return that you can get, but we should be focusing on the volatility or the risk relative to the return or the return relative to the risk. So basically what it aims to do is it aims to maximize your expected return for a given level of risk. And that's the easiest way to explain it. Um, it, it does get a bit more complicated. And I think modern portfolio theory, many people often use the word um, optimization. Optimization is nothing else than following modern portfolio theory with technology, using some algorithms to actually optimize your portfolio to achieve the highest possible expected return at the lowest level of risk. Yeah, great. That's, that's a really good summary. And there are some key principles um, towards the modern portfolio theory, aren't there? They're offering up on the screen now for us. Yeah, so I think uh, when you talk about modern portfolio theory, the, the key principles is the way that you are building your portfolio. So first of all, we need to accept that there's a risk and return trade-off. Um, the modern portfolio theory, I believe we will discuss later on as well, is heavily relying on what's called the efficient frontier, which I believe most people have seen in their life. And if you think about an efficient frontier, you think about an upward sloping line. The more risk you take, the higher return you should expect. That's the risk and return trade-off that you expect from your modern portfolio theory. So how can we achieve the highest level of return at the lowest level of risk? But as you increase your return, the risk will, will come down. Then I think diversification is another crucial aspect. Um, traditionally, that's where your, your, your lower volatility came from, from adding other asset classes that add a lower correlation with each other. So diversification plays a crucial role. Your risk assessment is important. How do you actually assess risk. So modern portfolio theory is mostly based on volatility, standard deviation, how much does my assets move over the course of a year. Um, that has evolved over time, especially more on your institutional side of things. Can we look at other types of risk, maybe downside risk, downside risk being um, how much can my asset actually fall within a certain period. And that's something that's usually ignored by modern portfolio theory. It is something that's starting where as technology has grown, optimizers are trying to incorporate it with some with several statistical approaches, which we don't have to go in. That gets quite complicated. And to be honest, I'm not an expert on the institutional side of things. Um, but yes, yeah, just how do you actually assess risk? So in terms of um, modern portfolio theory, we usually assess risk 
as um, volatility. And we can have a discussion about whether that's the right thing or not. And then finally, um, your correlation of assets and your efficient frontier. So correlations of assets, it ties in with diversification. Um, the whole concept is the fact that assets aren't perfectly correlated with each other. And um, that's because why you, as you add other assets with a lower correlation, you are diversifying your portfolio to shift your portfolios higher and closer to the efficient frontier, which I believe we will discuss um, later on, Richard. Indeed, yeah, but I've got a slide coming up now, which really um, visualizes it perfectly. So if you could talk us through yeah. this, that'd be great. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> the efficient frontier is, and what you see here on the screen, it's the efficient frontier in theory. And basically what the efficient, what you see is you've got risk on your x-axis. So as you go from left to right, you are increasing your volatility. And then on your y-axis, you've got your expected return. So as you increase your volatility, you'd like to see your expected return increase. And then the dots that you see on the screen, that's your hypothetical portfolios in the universe or the possible solutions or possible asset mixes. And ideally where you want to be is you want to be in the portfolio that's closest to the efficient frontier, to the red line, the tangent line that's um, sort of touching your portfolios on the outer brink of the efficient frontier. And you can see there's a sort of a funny curve on the, on the left-hand side of the curve. And what that means, and I'm going to show you later on in real life, because in theory it makes sense, but is it actually something that happens in real life? Um, and that was a question that I also had. Uh, I always had: Is this curve that you see in the efficient frontier is it just based on theory, or do we actually get that? And what must we do to get that? And I'll show you that it does actually happen in reality. It's quite easy to get that, and that's the power of diversification is being captured in that curve of the on, on the left hand side on the red line that you see. So basically, what it means is, as you add other asset classes, as you diversify your portfolio. Initially, what will happen is you will reduce volatility, even by adding more risky assets. You will reduce portfolio risk, and then it will sort of fade away and become more risky again, but at a higher expected return. And that's this, the, the whole story about the efficient frontier. That, that's really good. And like most things in, in our world, in life as general, um, it's got its critics, hasn't it? And there's, there's a few things we've got up here about that, that comment quite a bit. Yes, I think there's there's quite a few critics about about modern portfolio theory and how one should invest. And I think often people forget that modern portfolio theory is not that modern anymore. It's been around for what's it now? It's of almost 70 years. And people often confuse modern portfolio theory with traditional investing. And I think that's not really the case. So the, the one that we did touch was what risks are we are we focusing on the risk measurement modern portfolio theory mostly focusing on volatility um, my opinion would be that if you're a long-term investor volatility is the easy one to measure but it's not necessarily the one that's going to provide success and the criticism is that the whole industry and that's a global criticism not the uk criticism global criticism is that we use risk and volatility as, as a synonym for each other um, but we are ignoring things like shortfall risk. What's the what's the use of investing in a stable asset if you know you're not going to achieve your, your 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 goals at the end of the day? So shouldn't we maybe move off the efficient frontier but achieve a higher expected return? So that's one criticism that you can have of modern portfolio theory as well. 
And then the correlations. Um, so correlations is always a difficult thing to, to, to analyze. Many people would often think the lower the correlation, the more diversified the asset is. Um, so I think just to stand still for two minutes on correlations, the way we should interpret correlations is the lower the correlation or the closer the correlation gets to zero, the more negative the relationship is or the weaker the relationship. So if you've got fixed income and equity and there's a relationship of zero, that means the two assets are actually very diversifying. As soon as you bring that correlation below zero towards minus one, the relationship is actually increasing again. And what people, people often confuse is they think a negative correlation is a diversifying asset. Now, to give you the most extreme example, if you take a stock and you share and you short the same stock, then you've got a correlation of minus one, but you don't have any diversification benefits. There's no risk mitigation. At the end of the day, just eliminating risk, but you're eliminating all your reward as well. So you're trying to find correlations that are very weak, but not necessarily very strongly negative. And then also correlations are not static. It does vary throughout time. So what modern portfolio theory or more modern optimizers will do is they will make assumptions on correlations. And those assumptions are usually static based on what we have observed in the past or what we are expecting in the future. And I think that's one of the criticisms that these correlations are not static. And then um, I think the biggest criticism that's a bit more difficult to understand is um, the output of an optimizer or from a modern portfolio theory out, output optimizer, if you can call it like that, is that certain asset classes or certain assets are actually skewing the outcome. So if you use, yeah, uh, I think we can jump straight into the slide that you see here is if you use something and I, what you see on the screen is basically a chart of a, it's the legal and general UK property fund. So it's just any random physical property fund um, in the blue line. And then the purple line, that's just a REIT index, the iShares UK property ETF. And um, what you see is one would expect those two portfolios to perform relatively in line with each other. But the thing that you have with some, something like physical property or any private asset is that it's usually being valued a lot more infrequently. And the result of that is that you get a very low correlation or a very low volatility in that smooth asset, the asset that's being valued um, a lot less than your public market assets. And the result of that is as soon as you feed in a asset that's actually that, that, that shows a lower perceived volatility than the actual volatility, it skews the output. So it will overweight to things like private equity because we don't see the daily value of our private equity markets. It will overweight to things like private real estate. Um, I don't even want to touch on smooth funds because I think smooth funds is not just um, showing a perceived lower volatility. It's actually just showing a number made up. <laughs> um, and that's the criticism, the main criticism. It skews your output because you don't see the actual volatility of the actual asset and you might be exposed to more volatility and to a less efficient portfolio than you think you are actually exposed to. Yeah, that, that's 
really good. I think the, the theory is the key thing there. If we take these slides down and we'll bring up your, your screen, then you can kind of bring this to life for us and show us some real life examples. But I think one of the main points you said there was about the confusion between risk and volatility being the same thing. Um, you know, it, it's, it's different. It's LinkedIn is different, isn't it? But yeah, if you could kind of bring that to life for us on, on the screen, that'd be fantastic. So um, there's actually two things that I would like to show. The first one is an efficient frontier in real life. What does it look like? So what you see here on the screen, I'm showing you our timeline tracker portfolio. It's not um, anything to, to, to brag about. It's just the market portfolio. We are tracking the global markets. You can buy this in, the, in any country. It's a global market invested in cheap index funds according to the market capitalization. And then on the fixed income side, um, it's again more focused on uh, global diversified um, fixed income index funds. And what you see, every dot that you see is a portfolio. So this one, it started on the far right hand side. That's our tracker 100 portfolio. It's 100% equities. So think of something like the MSCI All Country Index. This will be represented by this dot. Then you get a 90 portfolio where we are introducing 10% fixed income, 20% fixed income, 70% fixed income. Here you have a 50 50 portfolio. And I'm specifically showing you the one year figure. Because we've been over the last one year, we've seen a lot of volatility on the fixed income space as well. But still, the equities has been much more volatile than the fixed income. And the interesting thing to see is this dot that you see here, that's our starting point. That's 0% equities, 100% fixed income. So what happens if we add 10% equities, you get that portfolio. So we are reducing volatility significantly and increasing your return. Then at the 20% level, we are still reducing volatility, increasing return. And then as you move 30%, 40%, and actually what we see is our tracker 50 portfolio has more or less the same volatility of our 100% fixed income portfolio over the last one year. But you can look at the return difference. Um, so the returns obviously on the fixed income side, it's quite significantly negative. Of course, that's the market. The market has been down quite significant over the last one year. Over the last one year, equities has seen a, quite a comeback, and that's where you see the performance of the equities actually coming in. And this just is just a real life example of an efficient frontier, how it should look. So this line that you see is just a line of best fit, but if you use the theoretical line, it will make a curve from zero all the way around, and that will be your typical efficient frontier that you see in, in real life. And um, we spoke about certain assets that can skew a efficient frontier. And so what we have is I'm just going to add a bunch of multi-asset funds. I'm just going to do it by alphabetical fourth alphabetical order and add the first, let's add the first 10 like 10 multi-asset funds that we have. So obviously over a one year time frame, you'll see everything. People that fund managers that sort of underestimated or not really understood the risk that they were taking on the, on the on the equity side so you can see some charts downward sloping some charts upward sloping if you take a seven year time frame uh, now just i can't take a seven year time frame because some of the, the assets are not available let's see if we do a five year time frame let's just add them back in Seems That's like, what's like being a power planner every day trying to find long-term performance when funds haven't been around yeah. that long. <laughs> Seems like I've added, but my screen is now stuck. So, but in any case, um, I think if we can just pull up this uh, the screen or, or, or the slides again, Richard, 
the final screen I just want to show you is if you add all your multi-asset funds, um, next slide, next slide, that one. If you add all multi-asset funds, that was just the first 10 funds that I was trying to add here over a seven year time frame. What you see is every manager will have their own efficient frontier and you can sort of judge um, what portfolio is the most efficient. And I just said, so the green line, that's just the tracker portfolio. That's just the, the market. You don't have to view it as the timelines portfolio. It's just the market portfolio. And the nice thing that I want to show you is that people saying that markets are efficient, I think they've got something they've got something to talk about because from an equity point of view, especially we've seen the market is extremely efficient and it is the most efficient portfolio compared to most of your asset managers out. They're not saying you can't outperform and there are definitely managers that are performing more efficiently than the market. But in general, the mix of fixed income and equity are providing a very efficient portfolio. And I think that's a good example to show that the 60-40 portfolio is not dead. People that say the 60-40 portfolio is dead, there's some proof to you that just the market 60-40 is still very, very efficient. Yeah, that was brilliant. Thanks very much. Um, and Paraplan is watching, so I think, okay, so how do I go about researching a particular fund to choose? That, that's a story for another day. Um, yeah. But that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, thank you very much, Laurentius. Um, and don't forget, if you've got any questions following that video, then you can pop them in the big tent or email us. So it's a big thank you from us to Laurentius and Timeline for supporting us this year. And we'll see you all again very soon. Thank you very much, Richard.